Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening this week at the same time every week to Bible Crossfire. Of course, this program, we allow you to call in with your Bible questions, make your comments, even disagree in a friendly way, but we remind everybody that the Bible is how we answer the questions. It is the standard. It's not what we would think or how we would like it to be. The Bible settles all religious issues because that's God's Word. It doesn't matter what Pat Donahue thinks or what you think or what we would like it to be. A very important point. We don't have the right to change anything. We read about all these churches in the last several years changing on the gay marriage issue. We don't have the right to change anything. The Bible hasn't changed, has it? God still says the same thing in the New Testament that he did 2,000 years ago. And so that is still true. Uh, The only question is going to be, the question is not, did God change? The question is, are we, do we have enough courage to stand for the truth? What God says on the matter. As the announcer said, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Again, the number to call is 877-655-6755. In between our calls tonight, I thought we would talk about 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, which reads this way. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. Now some may think this verse is talking about how that God gives us everything we need informationally through his word, the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 does teach that, but 2 Peter 1, 3, I think, includes more. It is talking about all things that God gives us using his divine power that pertain to life and godliness. And let's name a few of those things. But first, let's take this call. Pamela from Kentucky, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. um, I've recently had um, a very, very close family member. She was 22. She died of a drug overdose. And um, I've just really had a lot of issues dealing with it, but... Uh, and I've read the Bible about, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian myself, and I've, I've searched the Bible for an answer about this, because just based on her life, trying to figure out if she was actually a Christian, but if she were not, what happens to their soul when they, when immediately after they die? Do they just, does it stay dormant? Well, first of all, I was thinking of a passage like Revelation fourteen thirteen that says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. So, first of all, a person's fate, Pamela, is sealed when they die physically. They, they can't, once they die, they can't change anymore uh, right. about where they're going to go. And, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we trusted and obeyed Jesus Christ in this life. Now, as far as immediately what happens to that person, Pamela, I'm not sure we're going to have enough time on this program to go into a whole lot of detail, 
But if you'll turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, this is basically the second half of that chapter, it talks okay. about a rich rich man in Lazarus. Right. One was, right. one was faithful to God and the other wasn't. They both went right. to Hades, but there was the Hades was divide, divided up into two parts. The rich man went into torments. That's the one that was not faithful to God. The poor man who was faithful to God went into comforts. And they are going to be waiting there, either in paradise, comfort, or torment, until the judgment day. And then all those in torment will go to H-E-L-L, and all those in the comfort part of Hades will go to heaven. Does that make sense, Pamela? It does. It does make sense. So um, I have asked so many people about this question, and no one can really answer it. So I have scoured the Bible and did not even think of that verse uh, because I, I know it, but it never occurred to me to go there. And I've just, you know, just been kind of distraught with thinking about her and things that went on in her life. So you have answered my question, and I appreciate it so much. Pamela, here's what I want you to do. Since I didn't take a whole lot of time on this, I want you to do me a favor and go back and read that passage after you get off the line with me. Or It doesn't have to be tonight, but sometime when you have the time, read Luke 16, 19 through 31, because I believe it describes what you're asking about pretty good, pretty well. Okay? Oh, I, I certainly will. I certainly will. Thank you again so much. Thanks for your call, Pamela. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. Willie from New York, go have your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, I want to know. You know, Phil was trying to discuss. Is there any gay people living in heaven? Ask that again. I, I'm not hearing you real clearly. Ask it again. Is there, is there any gay people living in heaven? Okay, I'm gonna read to you a passage, and I'm gonna tell me what you think after I read this passage. Okay. Now, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10 in the New King James Version. Okay, can you hear me, Willie? Yeah. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Does that answer your well, question? Nobody up there, then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really? it, does, it does answer that question, but you said sodomite. I believe that that means oral sex. So does that mean anybody that gives or receives oral sex will not be allowed in the kingdom of God? Because it seems like a lot of people might be left out. I hate to get too graphic here over national radio, but a sodomite is a type of homosexual. This is not talking about sexual relations between a man and a woman. It's talking about what the people of Sodom wanted to do. And that is, in the male homosexual relationship, there is a, one of the men takes a more feminine role. Okay, He's the one that's stereotyped like a sissy. He is the one that in that role acts like the woman. He allows himself to be abused. That's what's referred to as the homosexual in this verse. 
the sodomite is the one that could look like a regular guy and he's the one that's abusing the other guy. That's what a sodomite is. It's one of the two types of male homosexuals. Both types are condemned here. It says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what it says. Does that answer y'all's question? Yeah. No. It does, but what about this if you does, ask for forgiveness? Yes. If you ask God not, for right. forgiveness? Okay. So the very next verse says, and such were some of you. Notice that's a past tense word, were. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And so a person can receive forgiveness for homosexuality just like he can receive forgiveness for adultery or drunkenness or idolatry or any of these other sins listed here. But he has to repent. You see, it says, such were some of you, but now you're washed. In other words, they had changed. So a person that repents of homosexuality is going to do what? They're going to change their ways, I guess. Yeah, he's going to to quit being a homosexual, just like a person that steals for a living. (laughs) He's going to repent of that. He's going to quit stealing. A person that is committing adultery against his wife, if he repents of that, he's going to quit committing adultery. And if he's willing to do that, then God will forgive him, and he can go to heaven. But if he's not willing to change, then he's not going to be forgiven, and he can't go to heaven. It's just that simple. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay. Um, may I ask now, do you consider um, homosexuality to be worse than a person that steals or a thief or an adulterer, or are they basically on the same level? Okay. Let me answer it this way. If you're talking about does any sin... Keep a person from heaven. Either of the sins, adultery or stealing or homosexuality, those keep you from heaven if you're not willing to repent. So they're exactly equal in that sense. Okay? Okay. You understand? I, I like to hear. Okay, but let me read this passage in Romans 1, 26 and 27. It says, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. Now, let me repeat what I said before, and then I'll talk about this passage. Any sin that you refuse to repent of can cause you to be lost, whether it's homosexuality, adultery, lying, or even gossip. Okay? So they're all equal in that sense, because the wages of sin is death. But there's something said about homosexuality here in Romans 1, 26 and 27 that's not said about every sin. And that not only is it a sin, but it's said to be unnatural. Okay, without getting too graphic, I I want to remind you of what the body parts of a male and a female look like and what goes together. It's like two plumbing parts. The male and the female goes together. So homosexuality is not only a sin, it's unnatural. Now, you know, for example, if I got really hungry and I went out and stole some food to satisfy my hunger, that would be a sin, but it would not be satisfying. It would be satisfying a natural desire, hunger. But this desire, homosexual desire, is a perverted desire. It's not natural. And you can tell that 
based upon how the the anatomy of the male and the female. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. I appreciate your call, okay? Yeah, you have a great night. Remember that some of these things may be hard for some to to take, difficult, but God is God, He's the Creator, and the Bible is His Word. And so no matter what Pat likes, we have to preach and stand for what the Word of God says, and that applies to homosexuality, divorce and remarriage, it applies to women preachers, it applies to, as I said, gossiping, every sin condemned in the Bible, we must condemn it too. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. The number is call, the call is 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, we were talking about 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and we were talking about these things that God has provided for us through His divine power, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, let's talk about the first thing that I mentioned. It's not the only thing, but the first thing is God provides His Word, the Bible. This is such an important gift. Without it, we would be groping around in the dark trying to figure out how to please God. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So God's word what we call the Bible, is the truth. That means the Bible has no errors. And it would also mean that the Bible encapsulates, encapsulates all the religious truth God intends for us. Let me read that out of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. So the Bible is the thing we look to for doctrine, for religious instruction, etc. It makes us complete as a Christian. We don't need anything else, such as the Pope or church tradition, or anything else as a standard of truth. The Bible makes us complete. As we say, sola scriptura, the Bible is all we need to understand God's will for us today. He's got everything in there that we need. Brenda from Louisiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, mine's just, just a comment. I mean, you just answer um, questions on someone else's, and you hit it so right, that camera on that nail so right, so I just want to jump out of my car and start running. Okay, Brenda, I thank you for your encouragement. Exactly what in particular did I say? I hit the nail on the head just right. You were talking about the plumbing, you know, homosexuals and all of this, and it's so true. And one sin is not bigger than the other, you know. It's it's beautiful. And that's right. One sin is not bigger than the other. We need to be careful when we say that not to mean that it's okay to sin. When we say that that homosexuality, homosexuality, if not repented of, will cause one to be lost, and so will gossiping, 
That means both sins are equal, but we don't mean to say that it's okay to gossip or it's okay to be a homosexual. We mean to say that both of them, they're wrong, and they can cause you to be lost if you're not willing to repent, okay? Exactly right. Exactly thank, right. Thank you for your call, Brenda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that God provides everything that we need through his divine power that pertains to life and to godliness. And the first thing we looked at was how he's given us the Bible. We need that. We would not know how to please God if God had not given us, revealed to us how he, want us, how he wanted us to live, what he, want, what he wants us to do to please him. We would have no clue. But he tells us in the Bible what he wants us to do to please him. That's why the Bible is so important. Are we looking to the Bible to find out what God wants us to do to please him? Or are we just trying to make up our own thing to try to please God? Let's don't do that. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Another thing that God gives us through his divine power that pertains to life and godliness is the forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ. I suppose there's nothing more important to us than this. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So in that death, Jesus washes our sins with his blood. You know, without the death of Christ, we couldn't be saved. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the only way we can get remission of sins is through the death of Christ. And then Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus died for everybody, but only believers who repent and are baptized for the remission of sins will receive the remission of sins based upon the death of Christ. They're the only ones, those believers who repent and are baptized, they're the only ones that benefit from the death of Christ. Because though Jesus died for everybody, that salvation is conditioned upon our belief, our repentance, our baptism, according to Mark 16, 16. In Acts 2, verse 38. Bridget from South Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, um, I was listening to your, your talking about different sins. And right. that you got you know, you should repent. But I spoke, called to, I'm not going to mention the station, but I called another station. And he said, well, once you're saved, you're saved forever for all your sins. died for all of our sins. Now, he said that we died, he died from the past and present in the future so when when Christ died as long as you accept Christ as your Savior you say I love that you believe in Christ and he's your Savior and you get baptized and um, um, you're forgiven for all your sins so uh, I said I asked him I said well if that's the case then why why we're about sinning if, if, if no matter what we do is it, forgiven mm-hmm. and he he said, well, yeah. once you get saved, you ain't going to sin, but that's not true. Because uh, I have met people that uh, baptized, call themselves Christians, and do do evil and say evil things. Like before my, as they speak of Christ, they sin it and they following Lucifer, but they saying they save with God. And, they, and I was trying to get him to explain that to me, but he was saying that we all are saved. If you save, you save forever. I mean, I don't get it. I'm confused again. Hey, Bridget. Bridget? 
Yes. So, so this is a common teaching by many preachers in churches that's false. That that once a person is saved, that he's always saved. But I want you to notice Hebrews three one says, "Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling." So this is talking about obviously brethren in Christ because it calls them holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That can only be a Christian. Only a Christian has partake partook of the heavenly calling. Then in verse twelve it says, "Take heed, brethren." lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So the warning to these Christians, Bridget, is that they should not develop an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. The person you called on the other program said that a Christian will not sin, but that's not necessarily true. God warns Christians from departing from Him, from developing an evil heart of unbelief. So it's possible. You see that, Bridget? Yeah. And so in John 3.36, the second part of that passage of John 3.36 would describe the fate of a person who was a believer but developed an evil heart of unbelief and departed from the living God. It says, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So here's a believer. He changes over to unbelief, which is possible, based upon Hebrews 3.12. Well, the Bible says, that he's going to be lost. This doctrine of once saved, always saved is a pernicious doctrine. <clears throat> Almost every page of the Bible teaches that once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. The people that believe that believe it because of wishful thinking. They want it to be so, not because the Bible teaches it. Bridget, do you have any follow-up? Okay. Well, I just was making sure because uh, it makes no sense. If uh, he, if Christ died for our sins, um, we're all imperfect. We're going to sin. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> and the main thing about we, the once saved, always saved doctrine, I know it doesn't make any sense, and another thing is the Bible teaches against it. Matt from Virginia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh-oh. Yeah, I had... Um question about speaking in tongues because uh, somebody asked us uh, at Pentecost people spoke in tongues but the Holy Spirit came down there was actual fire dancing on their legs after they got the Holy Spirit they rose people from the dead and all kinds of magical experiences and now today you got people that say they speak in tongues and it's the Holy Spirit but I don't see anybody raising anybody from the dead today I'm just wondering what's going yeah. on there is that something okay. that's live or Matt, I only have a couple more minutes on the program, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you a text pretty quickly and then, and then make it sort of an offer. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 says, Charity never faileth, but that whether there be tongues, they shall fail. Whether, that, I'm saying, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Matt, I'm going to suggest to you that this context, this passages, passage proves that the tongues, which were the miraculous ability to speak in a human language without having to study and learn it, they had it back then, but it's no longer for today. It has ceased. I don't have time to develop this because I have to go off the air. But I would like to send you something by email that goes into more detail on this. Would that be okay? Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this announcement for everybody listening, and you and you follow up on this if you want this email. If anybody is out there listening, and, 
and you want some information that how the Bible proves that prophecy and the miraculous healing that we read about in texts like 1 Corinthians 13 are not still in operation today, that can be proven from this passage and other passages in the Bible. I want you to text me, send me your email address, and then I will send you that information by email. Now, here's the number to call or text to ask for this information on tongues. Okay? It is 256-682-9753. 256-682-9753. And also, since mid-November, I've been offering a free one-hour phone Bible study. If you would like to have a Bible study with me by the phone, one hour, sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 256-682-9753. 